Welcome to Health Source, a community education program brought to you by the University of Vermont Health Network. Your host today is Alex Tercy from the UVM Medical Center. A new eating disorder is getting noticed by healthcare providers. Orthorexia refers to an obsession with proper or healthful eating. People with orthorexia become so fixated on healthy eating that they actually do damage to their own well-being. Orthorexia is not formally recognized in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, but awareness is growing. To learn more, we're joined by Dr. Amy Littlefield. She's a naturopathic physician and acupuncturist with a board certification in integrative oncology. She now partners with the University of Vermont Cancer Center to provide treatment to cancer patients during chemotherapy infusion. Welcome to the show, Dr. Littlefield. Thank you for having me. So orthorexia, what do we know about it? So what we know is that we need to know a lot more. We know that there are a lot of patients who are suffering quality of life compromise and, and sometimes health significant health consequences from it. And we don't have a good system to recognize it or to necessarily know immediately how to treat it. It's very under-recognized in the medical community, and we need more awareness and support for this. Are you seeing it in some of your patients? I see it in my integrative oncology practice. I see it a lot. Really? I see it multiple times a week. And how does it impact other eating or mental health issues? So it, it depends. And I like to consider that loosely there seem to be two categories of people who suffer this. There, there's a category of motivated, proactive patients who want to be empowered, who find that they're lacking information from the medical community, seek it on their own, and then apply it in a way that's dangerous and inappropriate. There's another class or grouping of, of people who could fall under this category who have an underlying anxiety, obsessive-compulsive disorder, or anorexia nervosa, who, who um, also can fit into this category. So you mentioned two groups. What are the warning signs? Are they different between those two groups or similar? What, is it, what do they look like? When I see it in my private practice, I see patients who have a pretty tremendous fixation on foods being proper, uh, eating foods that are healthy, and and uh, a sense of being afraid of foods that don't meet their highest standard. Um, that can appear the same in both groups. And it's really important for me to figure out how to help the patients by understanding what's beneath that. And might a person, I know we're still trying to understand this, but might a person with orthorexia look healthy? I think when we think of eating disorders, we think of the very dramatic imagery, right? So is this something where you could tell by looking at somebody? Absolutely. In in certain situations with a, with a strong manifestation of this, the patient may be underweight in the same way we might expect to see with other eating disorders. Um, but generally, the, the telltale sign for me in private practice is a degree of body language, anxiety, um, that comes up when patients talk about eating and talk about choosing foods. And uh, patients will say to me, I am afraid of food. I am afraid to make a choice in the grocery store, or I am afraid to go to a party. And it's not always that dramatic, but the idea of analysis paralysis and wondering what foods are best for them um, can be very overwhelming. So is that a situation where, where they're so paralyzed that they choose nothing? Sometimes. Sometimes it is, and sometimes um, patients will risk social isolation, um, opting out of social function, opting out of family events, because they're afraid that they don't have good choices to make. 
And, and there are patients who manage it much better but still have the anxiety despite showing up and, and participating, and, and both deserve support. Could you share some insight on what the mindset might be of somebody with something like orthorexia? Sure. Thank you. It's a really important distinction. So orthorexia can be an overly rigid system of eating, but it can also be considered when a patient is eating in a way that would may be healthy and appropriate for one person, but for that particular person creates unreasonable stress and strain. So whereas a vegan diet may be appropriate for one person, and they may be able to apply it in a way where they maintain their nutritional status, they maintain their weight, and they maintain their sense of peacefulness when they're eating and preparing meals for their family, for another person, that same diet may lead to nutritional deficiencies, and it may lead to extraordinary stress in terms of meal preparation and in terms of sense of um, a righteousness around eating. And when the risk and the stress and the strain, not just the nutritional deficiency risk, but the emotional strain outpaces the benefit of the diet, that also would um lead me to consider orthorexia. So the vegan diet isn't inherently a bad diet, but for one given person, the application of the diet may lead to diminishing returns. Our guest today is Dr. Amy Littlefield. She's a naturopathic physician and an acupuncturist with a board certification in integrative oncology. She works in partnership with the UVM Cancer Center, and we're talking about orthorexia, uh, a newly uh, emerging eating and mental health issue. Um, what are some of the health consequences of orthorexia? The health consequences can be um, both mental, emotional, and also physical. So weight loss, nutritional deficiencies, and then exacerbations of underlying conditions. So a patient who already has an anxiety disorder can um, amplify that expression and, and feel much worse um, if there's a, a layer of an orthorexia concern. The nutritional concerns and the anxiety and um, eating disorder concerns are, are prevalent, but not everyone has, um, and we can talk about this shortly, but not everyone who has signs of orthorexia has an eating disorder. Can we talk about that now? Sure. Yeah. So, so there are people who have an underlying eating disorder, and those people will sometimes use the... Um, proper eating or dogmatism around foods that are good for them as a way to reinforce their rules about eating for them. Um, and that is really easy to do with so much popular culture talking about good, healthy foods. And so limiting foods allows them to perpetuate this illness in a way that sounds noble. The, the group that I see much more often in my practice are people who really just want to do well by themselves. And in my practice, it's usually triggered by a major medical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So a patient will have a newly diagnosed breast cancer, and they will get excellent care from their care team in terms of treating the cancer. And then as a way to have agency and a way to help themselves feel better, may seek Dr. Google for more advice on how to eat. And when they do that, if you're coming from a place of a trigger of a new diagnosis, it's very hard to stay rooted and grounded and anchored in evidence, especially if you don't have a medical training. So it's easy for those patients to be persuaded by non-medical um, commentary that's online. And those are the patients that deserve a lot of help and are under-recognized and sometimes dismissed by, by medical 
providers in a way that I, I really wish wouldn't happen, and I work hard to reverse. So let's talk about that. How do you work with patients when you see some of the signs, and how are you working to reverse that? So two two questions in one. <laughs> so if it if I see in my intake and in my process with the patient that I do think that there's an underlying eating disorder and mental health condition. Certainly I have uh, providers that I work with closely that can support that portion of the diagnosis. For the patients who are motivated and um, looking to enhance their self-care, usually by spending time with them, asking them about their sources for information, asking them for what their um, motivations are, and then being curious and letting them share what their process and journey has been in discovering what should be healthy is so valuable in creating a rapport and creating a trust. The most important and valuable thing that I found in my practice is familiarizing myself with some of the um, unsafe claims that are made online or some of the books that promote rigid, dogmatic ways of eating. And when I already know what those claims are, they're easier to refute than just a global dismissive, um, food doesn't matter, or that's not a reliable source. I'm able to talk with the patients and say, this is the information you've been given about how, for example, sugar feeds cancer. And here's the actual evidence we have, and here's the nuance that could help you make a healthier decision. And when I'm able to get into that kind of granular perspective with them, they're able to let go of the dogmatism and really focus on what's actually the healthiest for them. What do you think are some of the most dangerous health claims out there when it comes to food and diet? Are there trends that you're seeing there? So the most dangerous thing is that people are geared to think about what they shouldn't eat instead of thinking about what they should eat. And what we do know is that um, exercise, good sleep, stress management, and lots of vegetables are really, really good. But if you had a choice of clicking online to something that said what you shouldn't do or clicking online to see what you should do, most patients will click online to see what they shouldn't do. So lots and lots of books will give versions of science and versions of scientific evidence that are then misconstrued. So whereas sugar is not really that great for any of us, there's an over-application and a rigidity with the understanding um, about sugar-feeding cancer. And it's an oversimplification, and it's a misunderstanding that patients also have. And it misses an entire greater metabolic picture that is actually more useful for the patient to understand than the clickbait of sugar-feeds cancer. Do you think it's something unique to people who have gone through cancer or are working through it that they might be more highly susceptible to certain of those messages, or is that? No, I think it's true for any significant medical diagnosis. Certainly, I've, I've seen this in patients who are pregnant, wanting to do what's best by their, um, by their pregnancy. I've seen it um, in other diagnoses related to thyroid disease and what foods to eat and what foods to avoid, and it creates a stress and a rigidity in patients when they should be informed with the information and be able to eat fluently. What would you say to somebody who's listening who might see these signs in themselves or in somebody that they know? I would say to consider focusing on what is very healthy and fantastically nutritious in your meal. 
Instead of looking for what's wrong with your meal, look for what's right with your meal. If you find that that's difficult to do, or if you find that even a piece of cake for a birthday, or even a for some people with a with a very strong manifestation of this, every single meal triggers an algorithm of um, what the health pros and cons are about each food. So that certainly would be dramatic. But if you find that you can't find what's good about your meal, you should have more support. And that may be talking to someone who's very well versed in understanding nutrition in terms of their specific diagnosis, um, or it may mean seeking men- mental health support if they feel like it's extreme to the point that they have weight loss and fear and paralysis about every meal. just want to switch gears a, a tiny bit. You're a naturopathic physician, so I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about your approach to care um, and what you're bringing in your partnership with the UVM Cancer Center. Yes, thank you. It's very exciting. So the approach in naturopathic medicine is to look, similarly to what I explained about looking at a meal and thinking about what's working, my approach is to look at a patient's um, entire health history and entire holistic system and look for what is working and to reinforce that and to allow the patient to really trust where their body is serving them very well, and then look to refine and support the areas where they're feeling a susceptibility or a weakness. Um, in terms of my work with UVM Cancer Center, um, I'm currently working in the capacity of offering acupuncture to patients in the infusion center, and um, looking forward to um, participating as they expand their integrative care resources. Our guest today has been Dr. Amy Littlefield. She's a naturopathic physician and acupuncturist with a board certification in integrative oncology. She works in partnership with the UVM Cancer Center. To learn more about health and wellness resources available to you from the UVM Medical Center, please visit uvmhealth.org slash medcenter. You've been listening to HealthSource, brought to you by the University of Vermont Health Network. For more information, visit uvmhealth.org and check us out on social media.